What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. Happy Friday out there to everyone who is listening. And what I'm going to be doing today is I'm sort of going to be doing a variety program of sorts. Uh, I'm going to be talking about football mainly, obviously, because I have a lot of catching up and looking forward to this weekend of football to do at both the college level and the NFL level. And uh, at the end of the show, I'm also going to be getting into some breaking news that came up in just the last hour or so from Rocky Top. And I'm sure that if you uh, Vols fans out there have not heard about this already, it is one of those things that is very much going to excite you. But uh, I'm also going to be getting into this week's staying with the college theme. Uh, I'm also going to be getting into this week's AP poll as well and what my thoughts are on it and uh, just some other different fun football things as well. But I actually want to start off the show from the tennis world and talk about some of the big news or really one of the big news items that came up over the last week. And that is that Roger Federer uh, has announced his upcoming retirement. And this is, of course, coming a few weeks after uh, Serena Williams announced her, uh, I guess it would be not upcoming retirement for Serena because she has just gotten done playing her last tournament at the U.S. Open, obviously. But the Roger Federer news, I guess, was a little surprising to me. And this is true with Serena Williams as well, but just the way that all of these stars have just dominated the sport of tennis, I'm just going to go through some of Roger Federer's numbers really quick while I have them up on the screen as far as what his overall record is. He, he's amassed a career record of, let's see, 1,251 wins to 275 losses, which is astounding. And as far as his Grand Slam results go, uh, he has won the Australian Open six times, 
in 2004, 2006, 2007, 2010, 2017, and 2018. Uh, he has won the French Open once in 2009. He has won Wimbledon. Let's see, eight times in 03, 04, 05, 06, 07, 09, 2012, and 2017. And he has won the U.S. Open five times in 04, 05, 06, 07, and 08, which is just incredible numbers for Roger Federer. And just before I really get into the football portion of the broadcast, or the podcast, I should say, uh, I just wanted to sort of uh, touch on all of these retirements pretty quickly because, you know, for me growing up, I would turn on Sports Center. And whenever tennis highlights would come on, who are the names that I would see? Well, well, who were the three main names that uh, I would see, I should say? They were Serena Williams, Roger Federer, and Rafael Nadal. And Rafa, obviously still has a little bit more left in the tank than Serena and Roger Federer do, apparently. But I guess what I'm trying to say is is that, in a way, uh, all of these notable retirements are just a constant reminder to me that my childhood, uh, in a way, has in fact definitely come to an end. So I just wanted to sort of touch on that very briefly. But shifting gears to football. One of the first things that I want to, and I'm going to start with the NFL before I get into uh, the college level. Uh, One of the things that I want to touch on is what I would call the just general craziness and and or stupidity of football from this past week. And I'm going to start out with what the Denver Broncos did toward the end of last Monday's game against the Seattle Seahawks. So without without further ado, I'm going to let somebody else sort of uh, introduce this segment for me. Let's 
Yes, that. thank you, Russ. That was, of course, the uh, Russell Wilson video from this offseason where I guess he's uh, sort of taping the video that plays over the speakers and on the video screens of Mile High Stadium to get the Broncos crowd going. And it just was one of those things that went viral over the over the summer. And uh, if you have not seen it yet, I would of course I would of course highly encourage you to do so. So thank you, Russ, for that introduction. Let me get to. Uh, not Russell Wilson's stupidity, obviously, but it's more his new head coach's stupidity and or lack of sound judgment. Uh, you might remember uh, at the end of last week's Broncos-Seahawks game, uh, the Broncos were, of course, trying to make a comeback. And they were down 17 to 16, I believe, which is what the final score of the game ended up being. Anyway, the Broncos are driving down the field and they have timeouts left. And for some reason, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach, of the Denver Broncos decides to sort of let the clock run out to, and I, I, I believe they ran the clock down to about, I could be wrong, but I believe it was close to the 22nd mark or so, and which was astonishing to me because they did have timeouts remaining, but when they called that timeout, they were, I would say, sort of within Brandon McManus's field goal range. He does have a very uh, solid leg on him, but Brandon McManus is, of course, the Broncos kicker and one of the top ones in the league. But when you have a starting quarterback who you just gave a extremely large amount of money to, I mean, I'm talking about the exact numbers here. Uh, I believe it was a five-year extension worth $245 million, including $165 million guaranteed dollars, when you have a quarterback who, who you just gave that large an amount of money to, 
why are you going to, number one, stop, stop the clock by calling the timeout when you are still so far out of reasonable field goal range? And number two, that's number one. Number two, and more importantly, uh, why are you not putting the game on the shoulders of the man who you just gave $245 million to in Russell Wilson? It's just astonishing to me. And for whatever reason, Nathaniel Hackett decides not to do this. He decides to go for the 64-yard field goal attempt. And, And really quick, I just want to touch on this really quickly because I think it's hilarious. Uh, in the time... And for those of you who were watching uh, ESPN2's Manning cast, as they call it, with Peyton and Eli, and I guess they have different guests on while they're breaking down the games every week. This past week, it was Shannon Sharp. But anyway, uh, what's crazy to me is that in the time... It took Nathaniel Hackett to call the one timeout to set up the Brandon McManus field goal attempt. Peyton is obviously watching the broadcast and breaking it down. And, of course, he keeps trying to egg on the Broncos to actually call a timeout, and in the time it took Nathaniel Hackett to call one timeout, Peyton is making the timeout motion with his hands. He does that a total of, I believe, 64 different times before Nathaniel Hackett can do it once, which is, again, just bizarre to me. But anyway, long story short, uh, the Broncos end up missing the 64-yard field goal attempt and ultimately end up losing the game to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the name Hackett, and for some of you uh, listeners of the show, you may be fami- you may be familiar with it. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is, of course, the son of. Longtime college head coaching legend Paul Hackett.
And, of course, it's just one of those names that is sort of synonymous with the game of football. And I don't know what was going through Nathaniel's mind. Was was he thinking, I'm going to try to outcoach Dad in some way? Or I'm going to sort of get out of Dad's shadow in a way? I don't know what... I really don't know what was going through uh, Nathaniel's head this past Monday night. But it, it obviously was not the thought to put the ball in the hands of the quarterback that the organization just gave $245 million to, which is what... I or really anyone else would have done. But those are pretty much all of the thoughts that I have on Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. I kind of want to come back to the kicker theme and how it relates to the stupidity and craziness segment that I'm in right now. Uh, It was just a bad weekend for kickers in general. Nobody could make a kick, college or NFL. And uh, I believe going back to the Steelers-Bengals game, there were just a lot of missed field goals involved in it. Obviously. Obviously, uh, everybody everybody knows, especially if you're a Titans fan, about the field goal at the end of the Titans Giants game. I'm not I'm not going to get into that too much in detail for obvious and heartbreaking reasons, but. It was really just a bad weekend for college and pro kickers. Now, that pretty much wraps up the craziness and stupidity portion of the show. Uh, I want to get into my NFL picks. over the last week, and uh, I'm not really going to try to bore you guys with those, doing them on the show today. Uh, I will be putting them on my Twitter account for the show. If you are so encouraged to look those up, I would highly encourage you to follow at Bratton Sports on Twitter so that you can look those up if you so desire. But it was kind of a rough week for me. Last week, I, I went 6-10, and ten, which is average slash not very good, I would say. But in my defense, it was week one, 
And obviously, I was able to get back on the right track with last night's Chiefs win over the LA Chargers. So hopefully I can sort of keep it rolling on the NFL game pick front. I will have the rest of my predictions for Week 2's games up on my Twitter account sometime in the next few days, obviously before games kick off on Sunday. So that that is sort of a update on where I am as far as NFL game picks go. Uh, shifting gears to college and the latest top 25 poll from the Associated Press. And what they have decided the rankings are going to be this week. And I have them right here. The Georgia Bulldogs actually check in at number one this week, followed by Alabama at number two. Uh, Ohio State is at number three. Michigan is at number four. Clemson is at number five. Uh, Oklahoma and USC are at six and seven, respectively. Uh, Oklahoma State moves up to number eight. Kentucky moves up to number nine. And Arkansas slides in at number 10. Uh, Michigan State comes in at number 11. BYU is 12th. Miami is 13th. Uh, Utah checks in at number 14. And the Tennessee Vols, the Tennessee Volunteers following last week's Stunning and heart attack inducing victory in overtime over uh, Pittsburgh. They check in at number 15 this week, followed by NC State at 16, Baylor is at number 17. The Florida Gators check in at 18, Wake Forest checks in at 19, and Ole Miss rounds out the top 20 at number 20. Uh, The Texas Longhorns come in at 21, Penn State comes in at 22, Uh, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Panthers slide to number 23, Texas A&M comes in at number 24, and the Oregon Ducks come back into the top 25 at number 25. So that concludes this week's 
AP poll. And just here's what my thoughts are on this week's poll. Uh, you guys probably noticed that there is a new n- number one in the country with the Georgia Bulldogs overtaking the Alabama Crimson Tide. Following mainly, not so much, I would say that doesn't have as much to do with Georgia as it does with Alabama and how they played against Texas this past week. And I really do have to give a lot a lot of credit to Texas for hanging in there against Alabama, especially after uh, losing Quinn Ewers, their starting quarterback, early on in that game. And another thing I want to touch on about Texas very quickly is I would like to sort of issue an apology to Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian because you may remember a few episodes back I sort of put Steve Sarkeesian on the hot seat. And obviously Sark must have been must have found some way to listen to this podcast because he was within one or two plays, I would say, of pulling off an upset of, at the time, the number one team in the country. So I would like to issue a formal apology to Steve Sarkeesian, and I would also like to officially remove Steve Sarkeesian from the hot seat. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, I do have to give a lot of credit to the Texas Longhorns as well. And one other takeaway that I have on this week's AP poll is that now there is thankfully uh, no mention of the Notre Dame fighting Irish. And as I've mentioned before on the show, I feel like that I just have always felt like there's this sort of bias around Notre Dame as far as their standing in the country goes because, as I've mentioned before on the show, they could finish one year at seven and five or eight and four and which is 
basically average by Notre Dame standards. And the next, when the next season rolls around in the AP poll, they could still find themselves ranked number five, for example. And uh, that was, of course, the case last week when they started out the year ranked, I believe, at number five. They lose to Ohio State. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, I can see them falling to number 10 from number 5, but I would not put them any higher than that over a team like a USC, for example. But, noted, they obviously fell to, I believe, number 8, if I've got that correct. And after the loss in the Ohio State game two weeks ago, what did they do this past week? They turn around and lose to the thundering herd of Marshall at home. And... I really just can't help but laugh in a way uh, at Notre Dame, mainly mainly because of the bias that I mentioned that is associated with them on a national level, but I really just can't help but laugh at the fact that they lost to Marshall at home. (laughs) And and paid paid Marshall over one million dollars for the privilege of doing so. It really is funny to me. But now that I've got the sort of in detail AP rankings pulled up on my computer screen here, I think the only thing that is funnier than the fall of Notre Dame over the last two weeks is that two things. Number one, Marshall ended up getting 85 votes to appear in the top 25, but also Notre Dame still found a way to get 23 votes to appear in the top 25, despite their record now being 0-2. It really is funny and amazing at the exact same time. And of course, we will just have to see what happens with Notre Dame this week against, I believe they're playing uh, Cal at home, which you, you would assume would be a win for Notre Dame, but then again, on the other hand, 
you would assume that Marshall would be a win over Notre Dame, would be a win for Notre Dame, I should say, as well. And obviously, look how that turned out for Notre Dame. So that is pretty much that pretty much sums up my anti Notre Dame rant for the day. But and pretty much sums up my uh, breakdown of the AP poll for the day and for the week. Uh, I would touch a little bit more on the. On the Vols here, but I think I'm going to wait to get to that here in a little bit so I can talk more about the breaking news that came out of uh, Rocky Top earlier this morning. But, and really quick, but really quickly, going back to the the upset theme that I mentioned to with Notre Dame really quickly. There were a lot of upsets last week. You had Appalachian State knocking off Texas A&M, and you have Washington State knocking off Wisconsin. And that really just goes to show why we love college football so much as fans, especially when you look at the video of the streets of Boone, North Carolina, which is where Appalachian State University is located, uh, and just the the euphoric atmosphere, and I don't know if I can put that any other way, the euphoric atmosphere from the streets of Boone, uh, it really excited me to see as a fan, and honest, honestly, it, it, really may, it really did make me miss college, in a sense. But anyway, moving on uh, to my games to look out for tomorrow, and I really only have two in particular that stand out to me. Uh, number one is, and this is mainly because they're both matchups within the top 25. Uh, number one is BYU taking on Oregon. It's going to be interesting to see how the Ducks respond to being put back into the top 25 uh, this week following uh, be- their removal from the top 25 after being boat raced by the Georgia Bulldogs in week one. And number two is Miami taking on Texas A&M. It's going to be interesting to see how Jimbo and the bunch 
uh, at Texas A&M follow-up. Last week's upset against last week's upset loss to Appalachian State with this week having to play a team that is ranked in the top 25. So those are the two main uh, games that I will be keeping my eyes on tomorrow. And again, as I mentioned, obviously I'm not going to get into the Vols matchup in great detail this week. I I will, however, be getting into the Vols matchup next week in very great detail because for those of you who who may not know, Vols fans obviously do know, Uh, That week is Florida week, and it's a a date that many of us have had circled on our calendars for quite some time now. It sort of makes me mad in a way, because both teams will will not be going into that matchup undefeated following... Uh, Florida's loss to Kentucky last week, but having said that, it is still Tennessee and Florida. All right, the moving on to the last bit of news that I have for today, and it is the sort of breaking news that came out of. Knoxville, and this should really give Tennessee fans a lot of hope for the future. Uh, Josh Heupel, the head football coach at the University of Tennessee, has just received a new contract, and it is an extension that, uh, if I'm reading this right from the alert that I got on my phone from ESPN a little a little over an hour ago, maybe. Uh, it's a new deal that extends to the 2028 season, and it includes a $1 million raise as well. And it elevates... Uh, Josh Heupel's salary to about $5 million uh, per year. And I guess I can, before I get out of here, I just want to touch on some of the brief uh, bullet points from this article that I found online about the Josh Heupel extension. And it says that he gets a $1 million raise, elevating his guaranteed salary to $5 million a year. Uh, 
And I guess this is an interesting bullet point about uh, Josh Heupel's bonus structure. Uh, the article says, the quote, the coach's bonus structure will not change from his original contract agreement, which includes bowl bonuses ranging from $100,000 for a bowl game appearance to $500,000 for winning the national championship, according to VolQuest. And in, in a way, I'm sort of, I guess, surprised that that did not change. But the, I guess, main bullet point from uh, the, the bit of news, the bit of breaking news that came out of Knoxville, and really quick, I want to give credit, going back to the the uh, article that I've been reading from, this is from Jace, somebody named Jason Hall from the Zone, not 104.5 The Zone, but uh, some other radio station called The Zone from, I can't, I, uh, I believe it says out of the state of Alaska of all places. But anyway, that's not the main bullet point of what I'm saying here. The main bullet point, I guess, of what I'm saying here is that Tennessee fans should be both incredibly excited and optimistic about what this new deal with Josh Heupel says about the direction of the Tennessee football program. And hopefully, knock on wood, uh, hopefully when we get to the the uh, Florida matchup that is coming up in the next week, that this extension will be backed up by a, again, I'm going to knock on wood, a dominant performance on the field for the Tennessee Volunteers. And so A.D., A.D., uh, Danny White and company obviously felt confident enough in Josh Heupel to give him this extension. And again, I just think that Tennessee fans should be very optimistic about what the future holds for the program. And so with that, now that I've gotten the little bit of breaking news out of the way, uh, I guess I'm going to 
go ahead and get out of actually before I do that I want I want to sort of give a preview staying with the Florida theme I want to sort of give a preview of what to expect uh, next week I really want to get Jake Miller on the show he is of course the sort of balls expert that I've been teasing uh, over the course of the last few episodes about hopping on with me and talking balls. And so, especially since next week is Florida week, I really want to get him on the podcast to sort of preview that game and sort of talk about what Tennessee needs to do to get over the hump and beat Florida in what I would expect, again, knock on wood, will be a top 25 matchup. And so I would really like to get... Uh, Jake on to do that. If I do end up setting that up, I will, of course, uh, be sure to tease that over my social media pages. Hopefully, there end up being no scheduling conflicts with that, but I would really like to get... Jake on, and Jake, if you are listening, uh, just be sure to get with me, or I will be sure to get with you over the course of the next week or so to try to set that up. The UT Florida preview, it's going to be a very exciting game from Knoxville next weekend. And with that, I guess I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. I very much appreciate it. And I will see you soon.